And now the weather. Expect partly cloudy skies with an excellent chance of maximum refunds. Wait, that can't be right. Oh, but it is. Who are you? I'm April. And we could see refunds raining down all tax season with people switching to TaxAct. TaxAct? The tax filing software that makes it easy to file for less and get more. New forecast. It's sunny days ahead for everyone using TaxAct. Always happy to brighten your day. TaxAct. Switch to TaxAct today and start for free. See TaxAct.com for details. Hi, and welcome to the Shoot from the Heart podcast with me, Diane Bell. If you want to write a script, make a movie, or quite simply live an abundant and creatively fulfilled life, you are in the right place. Each week, I'll share with you tips, techniques, and real-world information that will inspire and empower you on your path. Thank you so much for joining me. I am rooting for you all the way. Let's do this. Hello, beautiful and amazing screenwriters, filmmakers, creative people, beautiful souls. How are you today? Welcome to episode five of the Shoot from the Heart podcast. Now, before I dig into this week's topic, I just wanted to start by responding to a couple of emails that I received this week since the last week's podcast. So last week I was talking about self-belief and why that was so important and how you will show up in the world if you have it. And a few people wrote to me to say, Diane, I believe in myself and my project 100%. I am doing everything I can. I'm taking all the risks. I'm putting myself out there. I am doing it. And I'm still not getting the results that I want. And I just wanted to say, this is definitely going to be a future podcast uh, episode for sure. I think the topic of what do we do when we're doing everything and it's not working out is one of the most important things we can discuss as artists, as filmmakers, as screenwriters, but also as human beings. The truth is giving up because it's not working out is one of the biggest reasons that we don't have the success that we want. It's the reason that we don't do what we want because we feel like we're doing everything and it's not working and we get frustrated and we give up, rightly so. In many cases, I get it. So that I'm definitely putting a pin in it. And just to let you know, I will record a podcast episode on that very soon. What to do when we're doing everything and it's not working out. Welcome to the human experience, really. But I also just want to say this. These episodes so far, I've been talking about things that I think have to be in place for you to succeed. I don't consider these to be sufficient conditions for success, okay, generally speaking. Self-belief in and of itself is not a sufficient condition for success. And I studied philosophy at university. I don't know if you guys are familiar with this idea of necessary and sufficient conditions and the difference between them. A sufficient condition means like that alone will guarantee the thing. A necessary condition means it's something that has to be there in place for you to get a certain result. But by itself, it won't guarantee it. So for instance, having gasoline in a car is a necessary condition for it to drive, but it's not sufficient. There has to be a lot of other things that are in place for it to be able to move from A to B. You could have gas, but if you don't have oil, or you don't have the engine working, it's not going to drive, right? But having gas is a necessary condition. It's just not sufficient. So, so far what we've been talking about in these episodes up till now are what I believe to be necessary com- conditions 
for success, although they're not necessarily sufficient. They're not necessarily by themselves things that will make or break you, right? But I think they do have to be in place for you to achieve success. However, what we're going to talk about today, I think is a sufficient condition. And by that, I mean, if you have this and this alone, if you do this thing, you will succeed. And if you listen to this episode right up to the end, you will hear really why, why I think this is the thing beyond all others that is not just a necessary condition, although it is that for certain, but a sufficient condition for success. And as I say, if you stick around to the end, you will understand why. So today I want to talk about acting from love, choosing to act from love, choosing to see things from the point of view of love, making decisions based and love. A movie is essentially, and I've said this many times, it's essentially just the sum of all the choices you make during the making of it. You know, initially there's the script and we choose who it's about, what it's about, the genre, the style, what we're going to put in there. Just choices. We could just as easily choose another way, right? And then as you develop the movie, what kind of budget you're going to raise, how many days you plan to shoot the movie in, who you're going to try to raise the money from, who you will cast. Will you cut the days to get more gear? Will you let go of the gear to have more days? And <laughs> you start juggling your budget. Is it essential to have the dog? <laughs> Could you lose the dog? All choices, all choices that will determine the film that you make. Then there's the actual production, of course, where you're going to film, where you're going to put the camera how you're going to play the scene, all the choices. Are you going to paint the lead character's bedroom green or yellow? Is the actress going to wear the red dress or the white one? All these tiny, tiny choices, or some of them big choices, but they're just all choices. Nothing happens by accident in a movie. It's all deliberate. It's all a choice. If it's not a choice, you're not paying attention. You're letting things happen by happenstance, and you should never do that when you're making a movie. Everything should be a deliberate choice. And with the movie, it's all deliberately chosen to support the story, to tell the story that you want. In a way, you might say that a life, a human life, is also the sum of choices, little and large. You know, whether you keep smoking 20 cigarettes a day or you quit, whether you exercise regularly or not, the food you choose to buy, the food you choose to consume and eat, all these little choices that will make up your life. And they're tiny choices for the most part, (laughs) you know, it doesn't seem like a big deal whether you choose to eat that candy or not, drink another coffee or not, but all those tiny choices add up to being your life. And in life, you'll mostly make those choices out of habits. You're not consciously choosing. I mean, if you choose to have a cigarette or not, it's not really a choice, mostly, it's a habit. And habits... Will it come from your identity? If you're a smoker, you smoke. If you didn't have a cigarette, it's because you're not a smoker. (laughs) If you have one, it's because you are. If you choose the meat dish off the menu, it's because you're not a vegetarian. If you're a vegetarian, it's just not an option. You You order the vegetarian meal. And these are your identity. So your identity gives rise to your habits, and your habits give rise to your choices. 
And that makes most of your life in general, you know, in general, pretty simple. You don't really think or overthink a lot of the things unless you're in a place where you want to change them. Then you start to think. But otherwise, mostly you're just going by habit. However, when you're making a movie, unless you make a lot of movies, (laughs) you don't have habits. You're having to figure everything out and create new rules, create choices. And that's why it can be very exhausting because there are so many choices. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that Truffaut film, La Nuit Américaine. I think it's called Day for Night in English. If you haven't seen it, see it. If you love cinema, you'll love it. It's about the making of a movie. And it's just funny to watch the director in it because it's always just the choices. You know, do you want this lamp or that? (laughs) And that's what being a director is. It's just making a lot of choices. A lot of people asking you questions and you making a lot of choices. So how do you make those choices when you're making a movie, given that you probably don't have habits? You don't have an identity necessarily as a filmmaker. I mean, someone like Woody Allen probably has a habit, a lot of habits. Scorsese, I'm sure, has. You know, people that are making dozens of movies will have habits and they won't have to overthink things. But if you're new to it, how do you make the choices and make sure you're making the right ones? And I think the rock bed of your identity will determine how you make the choices And what do I mean by that? You will either make choices from a perspective of love or perspective of fear. So let's just say that again. I think ultimately you're going to be making your choices, all those choices from a perspective of love or fear. And I truly believe that the greatest successes will come to you when you act from love, when you choose from love. So let's explore a little bit what that might mean. At the script stage, very common advice that I hear all the time. I was just reading another book about filmmaking the other week. I, I just like to check them out. I don't know. It's one of, my, one of my hobbies, right? Reading books about filmmaking and script writing. And, and that advice popped up again. And it's basically this. Do your market research. You know, before you write your script, before you even start thinking about your script, do some market research, see what is selling, read the trades, you know, choose something like that. Also figure out what audiences want, write something like that. You know, don't just like write. That would be stupid. And I just call utter BS on that. I'm like 100% you write what you love. This other method, this idea that you sort of like do the market research and think about what other people want, this is fear. (laughs) This is fear that like your instincts aren't good enough. This is fear that what you want to say, what you have to say, what you love might not stand the test, you know, might not be good enough. So instead you're thinking already, how do I please these other people? How do I make them happy? How do I make them like me? How do I make them want my script? It's fear. A real, a real action from love is when you just say, I love this and this is what I'm writing. And I guarantee you that is when you will write your best work. That is how you'll have your great success. Now, when it comes to making your movie, I suggest, and I just offer to you, if you let all your choices be guided by love, you will make the best movie that you are able to. What feels good? What excites you? What would you want to see? These are the questions to me that should be driving your decisions. Not thinking about what will please the audience, what will sell, what will please the festival programmers. I say absolute hooey to all that. Let your choices be driven by love. 
And honestly, I think this is true for life too. When you choose to see things through the lens of love, I have no doubt that your life will be better. In Buddhism, they say the action matters less than the intention behind it. And so what you create or what you do doesn't matter quite as much as what your intention is. In yogic philosophy, in the Bhagavad Gita, many of you will know that I was a yoga teacher for many years. And we learn in that, that we don't control the outcome of our actions, but we do control the intention behind them. And this is really a linchpin of the yoga practice. You do not control the outcome of your actions. You let go, you release, you surrender the outcome of your actions. But you put all your energy, your loving energy into the intention behind them. When the intention is love, when the energy that fuels your actions is love, I honestly believe that things cannot go wrong. I believe that this is truly the necessary and sufficient condition for succeeding. I can also say that in my own experience, when I've acted out of fear, no good has ever come from it. And I could talk about this all day. <laughs> I'm going to try and keep it quite brief because I'm, I'm trying to keep these podcasts fairly brief they're, so that they're easy to digest. They're not epics. It's not the odyssey here. But some of you might know my second film is called Bleeding Heart. Not my own title, we might add. That tells you everything. <laughs> That'll tell you everything you need to know about that experience. Making that film was, to me, a lesson, a very profound, painful, drawn-out lesson in why things go wrong when you're guided by fear. Before I signed the contract to make that film, I felt in my heart that it wasn't the right thing to do. But I felt fear that perhaps I would never get the chance to make another film if I didn't sign the contract and make it with these producers. Fear. It was fear that made me sign the contract to make that movie. Fear. Not love. Not love at all. And once I was in the situation of making the film, one of the producers of that movie was an incredibly fear-driven person. To the extent, you know, it'd be like, Diane, who would you like to hire as your director of photography? Well, I said, I'd like to hire Zach Mulligan. Zach's awesome. You know, he shot my first film, Obsolidia. He won uh, Best Cinematography at Sundance for Wouldn't He Be a Good Choice? And this producer would say, no, I need to do some, I need to call up some people and make sure he would be a good choice. Fear. And that was really every single decision in the film. Everything. Fear, fear, fear. Right through to when we have the edit and we're test screening it with audiences. Fear, 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 fear driving it. Fear that we would alienate people because something was too risky. Fear that people wouldn't like this. Fear that people wouldn't like that. So you're constantly re-editing the movie to try to please more people, to make more people like it. I think it's the wrong way to make a movie. I think this is exactly why we have so many movies that are just mediocre. Mediocre. I think when you make a movie out of love... You will take all the risks. <laughs> You'll just put it out there, right? And people can take it or leave it. And some people will love it. I guarantee you, if you make a movie from love, other people will love it. Not all of them, but some will. And I am much more interested in people loving things and people just being like, meh. <laughs> Trying to get the people who dislike it to like it. I find it so uninteresting. I want the people who love it to love it. 
And I don't really care about the rest. It's not my job to make everybody like it. The success will come, always, when you're just in your zone, creating something that you love, truly love, that's from your heart, that's honest, authentic, full of integrity, full of love. That's when you'll have the success. Now, if you accept truly that you can't control the outcome of your actions, and really, why wouldn't you accept that? You can't. <laughs> you know, spoiler alert, if you're still deluding yourself, you can control other people. Uh, no, you cannot. You cannot control other people. So once you accept that you really can't control other people's reactions, then you realize there's nothing to do but to trust and love. I mean, the fear-based approach to filmmaking, the fear-based approach to life is all about trying to control the outcome. You're driven by fear because you want people to like it. You want people to buy it. You want to have the success. You're trying to control the outcome. And this is true in life as well. When we're driven by fear, we're driven by the need to control or the desire to control. But as I say, it's, it's a fool's game. You cannot control the outcome. You can make yourself totally crazy trying to please other people. You can do everything that you think will tick the boxes to make a script that will sell for a lot of money, to make a movie that all the festival programmers will get on board with because it's doing everything it's supposed to do. And you can fail miserably. There was a quote from David Lynch a few years ago that I read. I, I, I can't remember exactly where I read it. And I don't have the quote here. So I'm going to misquote it. But essentially he said something like, you know, I've made movies that I loved and critics didn't and audiences didn't. And it, it, it hurt, but I could live with that. But I've also made movies that I didn't even love and the critics didn't love and the audiences didn't love and it nearly killed me. And I would totally stand by that. I would totally agree with that. You can't control if critics are going to love your movie or festival programmers or audience members. You cannot control that. That is just for the birds. You would make yourself crazy if you tried to control that. But worse than that, if you try to just make a film that will please them and then it doesn't, you are in one hell of a bad situation. You don't love your movie and nobody else does either. Friend, that is the definition of hell, <laughs> you know? But if you love it, even if other people don't, if you still love it, trust me, you'll live with it. You'll live with it. I know because I've done this. I actually have personal experience of this. My third movie of Dust and Bones is a movie that I made. It was a hard movie to make. I'll, just, I'll be honest. It wasn't made completely out of love in a very pure way. It was, you know, it was made out of a depression. It came out of a very, very dark place, very dark time in my life. And the film itself is very dark. It's a very difficult movie. It's about a woman whose husband was killed by ISIS in Syria. Her husband was a war photographer. And she's retreated to the desert. She's just living in the desert and building a sort of art structure out there in the desert just for herself, for her own sanity, for her own sake. It's not for anybody to see. And then into this situation arrives a man who is her dead husband's colleague who was responsible for him going to Syria. And she holds him responsible for her husband's death. And the man has come with an agenda. The movie's dark, you know, it's about grief. It's about loss. It's about terrible things that happen in the world and how we continue to live in a world where such terrible things happen. And it's about one woman's healing, but it's a very uneasy healing. <laughs> it's not easy for an audience to watch this movie. I mean, the first 40 minutes, there's no dialogue. So I made a movie like that and... 
nobody loves it. (laughs) Well, a few people who have seen it have loved it, but essentially nobody loved it. I submitted it to tons of festivals. It's played at a few, but not very many. I've experienced this situation where I made a movie that I love, that I feel is the best work that I've done. And nobody really approves of it. Nobody likes it. And you know what? That's okay. I can live with that. I can totally 100% live with that. Much harder is a situation where you don't feel like you get to make the movie you wanted to make. And it doesn't really do much either. And that was kind of my second movie, you know? I've had experiences of both. I've also had an experience where it was all love. It was just love. And that was making my first film. And that, of course, did meet with love in the outside world. Some people hate the movie too. As I said to you, if you make something you love, guaranteed, some people will love it, but some people will just be like hating on it. (laughs) That's okay. As I said, your job is not to make everybody love things. So I've experienced all of these. I think though, ultimately, and here's the thing, if you're an artist, if you're going to be a filmmaker, a screenwriter, it takes courage. And why it takes courage is because basically to be an artist in this world means planting a flag in the ground and saying, I believe in this. This is what I stand for. This is what I value. This is what I love. And when you do that, without any expectations, without attachment, with a really generous and open heart, when you just plant your flag in the ground and say, I love this. This is what I stand for. You cannot fail. You cannot fail. Some people won't love your movie. You can't control that. You don't control that. It might not sell for lots of money. It might not get in any festivals. That's okay too. You don't control any of that. If you have made something that you love, then this is true success. Because let's just for a second, and this is what I said about the necessary and sufficient conditions for success. What do we mean when we say success? I actually looked it up earlier. I'm going to, I'll see if I can pull it up right now. I looked up the definition this morning on my uh, iPhone. I was thinking about this podcast. So let's have a look. Success, definition. Number one, the accomplishment of an aim or purpose. The accomplishment of an aim or purpose. And I would say as an artist, this is the most important definition. I would say as a human being, it probably is. Success is when you accomplish your purpose. Not when you hide from it. Not when you accomplish some, somebody else's purpose, but your purpose. You create the art you were born to create. You are called to create. What other people make of that is their business. How people judge it, how people determine its value in the marketplace, their business. Success, ultimate success, I think has little to do with that. I would rather make 10 movies that no one saw that I believed in 100% and that I felt accomplished my purpose than make 10 that won awards, made me millions of dollars and didn't and felt like zero purpose to me. That's not success. Success to me is not just merely the attainment of awards or money. Those are wonderful things. Don't get me wrong. I am not poo-pooing them. (laughs) I'm absolutely like, why not have both, right? Why not have both? But you could achieve those and be miserable because you're not fulfilled, because you're not accomplishing your purpose. And to me, that is the highest and greatest success 
not only as an artist, but also as a human being. There's so much more we could say about this. So much more. I could do probably 10 episodes on this issue of choosing love, acting from love. Because one other thing I'd like to add, and this goes back to what I started with, the people writing to me saying, I'm doing all the things, I'm doing them all, and it's not working out. Choosing to view your own path with love is very important too. With forgiveness, with tenderness, with compassion. It's important. That's what's going to sustain you as an artist. Things will get hard at times. They will get hard. Not just as an artist, but as a human being. It's the nature of life. It's not all award shows and great announcements in the trades. It's tough, too. And unless we really, really, really give ourselves the love, gratitude, forgiveness that we deserve when we're on this path, it's going to be a lot tougher. Take the time to think about what success really means to you. I've offered you five different keys to success in the last five episodes, things that I feel are necessary in order to experience true success as a screenwriter, as a filmmaker, but also as a human being. Consider for yourself, what does it mean to act from love? How can you choose to act from love with the work that you're doing now? How can you choose to act from love as you observe yourself on your journey on this path? Because choosing love is the greatest choice you can make. Once again, if you choose love, you can't fail. You really can't. All right, you guys, I'm going to wrap it up here. I am so grateful to you for being with me here today. I really, really am. I'm kind of like just loving being able to do this. Please do write to me or message me on Instagram. I'm at Diane Bell. I love to hear from you. I love hearing your thoughts on these podcasts, any questions that come up, ahas, breakthroughs, anything. I just love to hear from you. It means that It's like a conversation rather than just me talking to my microphone. (laughs) And I really like that. All right, guys. See you next week. Bye. If you're ready to lose weight, Noom Weight can help. Our weight loss program uses the latest in psychology and behavioral science to help you better understand your relationship with food and build long-lasting habits. And the best part is, you decide how Noom fits into your life. We won't tell you what you can or can't eat. Instead, we'll give you the knowledge and tools you need to make informed choices that fit your lifestyle. Start your trial at noom.com slash habit. That's n-o-o-m dot com slash habit.